This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Microsoft serves up supercomputing to UK Med Office. Cerebrus cooks up second-gen wafer. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined again by HPC Wire's Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, This Week in HPC, a couple of interesting stories. I'm going to start with the fact, well, we already knew that the UK Med Office was investing about $1.5 billion over 10 years into weather and climate at supercomputing and now we've got the front of that is going to be going in as with Microsoft as the prime vendor for a series of four HPE Cray supercomputers with AMD Epic Milan CPUs. Yeah, so this is uh, the Met Office, the UK's National Weather Service and Microsoft they've announced that they are building what may be the world's largest weather and climate supercomputing system complex at 60 aggregate petaflops peak using AMD and HPE hardware, as you just mentioned, part of this uh, 1.2 billion pound or or $1.5 million investment that was first revealed uh, back in February by the the UK government. And now we have this confirmation that very interestingly, um, Microsoft is the, the prime contractor on this. The deal includes four HPE Cray EX supercomputers um, totaling, as I said, about 60 petaflops peak, they say, and these will be arranged into quadrants, so four machines, uh, actually, and if they are of equal size, then each of those would uh, machines would be about uh, 15 petaflops peak, so placing roughly around 25th uh, position or so on the current top 500 list. Yeah, let's go back and start talk by talking about Microsoft is the prime vendor on this. Now, as much as we've seen cloud growing in high-performance computing and we've seen Microsoft Azure and some partnerships with Cray, this is something we haven't seen yet where one of the major cloud vendors, in this case Microsoft, is the prime vendor on a supercomputing contract. Now, we almost said something about on-prem uh, movement for Microsoft here. And we held back from that because we, we don't actually have confirmation about where this system is going to be, nor do we have a lot of details about exactly what services Microsoft is providing around this. But it is clear that Microsoft is the prime vendor and presumably we're going to have some cloud services or cloud-like services as part of this overall contract. It seems to be pretty well tied in with Azure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, beyond the processing power here, Microsoft says that they'll, they'll provide an active data archive system capable of supporting nearly four exabytes of data, along with these Azure cloud capabilities that um, you were just referring to, uh, to enable uh, supercomputing as a service capability. So, yeah, I mean, is this surprising? So this is the first time we've seen a cloud vendor uh, as a prime on a, on a contract like this or any major supercomputing contracts. I think that's pretty big news. I think that's a sign of the times, you know. Um, I would say, though, if we had to guess which cloud vendor would be most likely to get a contract like this, we we might we might have guessed correctly. Um, you know, Azure's supercomputing as a service routes go back to 2017 when they they struck a deal with with Cray to offer Cray supercomputers in the in the Azure cloud, and I imagine the the cycle computing IP 
that Microsoft bought in also 2017, you know, was also coming into play with this with this deal too. Well, and it's not totally foreign. It reminds me of the model that we've seen with a lot of U.S. supercomputers. They get fronted by a, a various uh, federal systems integrators like a, a General Dynamics or CSC or Lockheed, Raytheon, who would hold a contract for the supercomputer and could, in theory, do a pass-through like this. Although to do it of this size, where Microsoft is really now the prime vendor for the whole thing and subbing out the hardware to, uh, to HPE. Uh, which which then has the processors from AMD. That part is unique, but I, I guess I think of it as being a, a cohort similar to a federal systems integrator. Yeah, I know. I think that was a. I think that's a good point. That that um, to the, the comparison to the, the the integrators that are that are doing that for the uh, U.S. Um, sites. Now, while we're saying that's new, there's a lot of things that are, are we're getting used to now in this space. This is another major win for HPE and Cray, who's been completely on a roll. It seems like just about every new major supercomputer we're talking about is coming back to HPE these days. And it's a steady drumbeat of wins for AMD at the high end with Milan. Uh, there's been a lot of momentum with both of these vendors. Yeah, and some other interesting things are, are about this one are that it, they say that it will use 100% renewable energy, uh, which Microsoft is estimating will save 7,415 metric tons of CO2 in the first year of, of operation. Um, they're also going to be using the system you know, to, for insights into the climate situation, and they say that they hope that it will help um, them reach. The UK says that they hope it will help reach the goal for net zero carbon emissions, uh, which is a goal for 2050. Yeah, that's always been a, a jokey criticism of some of these high-end weather or climate supercomputers. They not only study global warming, they also contribute to it. And in this case, uh, talking about using renewable energy and the major savings in CO2, it's not as if the supercomputer itself isn't consuming that energy, but presumably that's a, a comparison against, well, if a coal plant or something was providing the energy for this supercomputer, that would be uh, a lot of uh, of CO2 into the atmosphere. They're using renewable energy for it. I, it doesn't it doesn't imply to me that the supercomputer itself is somehow saving energy, but they're they're uh, they're just finding a different source for it. Mm -hmm. And this this win also extends uh, Cray's lineage at the Met Office. Currently, they are running three Cray XC40 systems there that will reach end of end of life in in 2022 and they said that these new systems will uh this was said by penny endersby who's the chief executive of the met office she said this back in uh, i believe february when the, the news was first um uh, that, that the big that the big investment was first announced um that these new systems would provide earlier more accurate warning of severe weather um, and the information needed to build a more resilient uh, world and for the change in climate. So, you know, of course, advancing um, the, the capabilities, more, more detailed and varied uh, models, more environmental and social data, better planning for applications and risk management, public transit. So all these things that we would hope to be, to be seeing in a, in a next-gen forecasting system. Um, another interesting thing here is that this, this announcement that um, it was uh, – Microsoft that was was the the party in play here was actually tipped back in in February by Atos when the French 
multinational uh, tech company had filed a, a legal challenge to, to this um, deal, criticizing the process and, and effectively saying that they um, it hadn't been done in a fair way. But we're seeing how this is uh, played out and you know that they did go ahead and um, award the, the contract to Microsoft. And that's how it went. Our listeners can catch the full story about the Microsoft supercomputer by Oliver Peckham on HPC Wire. Meanwhile, also this week in HPC, we have a new updated chip from Cerebrus, these large wafer scale chips that have caught a lot of attention in AI. There's a new WSE2 generation or CS2 processing chip from Cerebrus following up on their previous uh, wafer scale. Yeah, we're talking about a really big wafer scale chip here. This is the follow-on to the first-gen wafer chip that was debuted by Cerebrus Systems at the Hot Chips Conference in August of 2019, so nearly two years ago. And uh, this is, as most of our listeners are, are familiar, this is a wafer scale chip. So they start with a 300-millimeter wafer with um, thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of cores on it, and they, they cut out the largest square to get these 46,000 square millimeter chips, roughly the size of a, of a dinner plate. And then they're able to have, a, uh, they have an array of uh, repeated identical tiles, 84 of them built into, into that wafer chip, enabling uh, redundancy. So I'm gonna just run through the, the specs here. The general gen specs are, are pretty impressive. Um, both the first and the second gen wafer scale engine are made by TSMC. The first one was a 16 nanometer and they've, they've uh, now put that on TSMC's seven, man, seven nanometer node. And of course that enables them to, to pack in a lot more density and elements onto the chip, pretty much doubling or more than doubling everything on there. So they went from 1.2 trillion uh, with the T transistors on the first one to 2.6 trillion on this one. The cores went from 400,000 to 850,000 on chip memory. 18 gigabytes to 40 gigabytes, so a big jump there, and a couple more. Memory bandwidth went from 9 petabytes per second to 20 bytes per second, and then the aggregate fabric bandwidth jumped from uh, 100 petabits per second to 220 bits per second, so again, more than a doubling of all those specs there. Yeah, it's it's really uh, an impressive generational gain to see uh, more than 2x improvement in all of these areas, uh, generation over generation. And, uh, you know, we're already seeing it coming up, at least in mentions in our site census surveys. We got a couple of comments from end users who said they're experimenting uh, with these large scale chips for machine learning specifically, and partly the market's coming to them. I mean, they we knew about AI two years ago when they were launching it, but but if anything, the market has evolved even faster than, than we might have thought. And that comment is made in your article on HPC Wire by Andrew Feldman. He even gives an example with uh, BERT in uh, natural language processing as being something they hadn't been looking at uh, two years ago, but now they're getting a lot of orders for it. Yeah, that's right, Addison. There's that that technique for uh, natural language processing. It's a BERT, or stands for bidirectional encoder representations from transformers. And Andrew Feldman was saying that this this didn't even exist in the first half of, of 2018 when they were 
you know, they were planning their, their go to market and everything. And, um, you know, now it's, it's, he said, now it's comprising the, the bulk of their, their business. I thought that that was a, a pretty interesting point too. Uh, another, another thing that he told us with that was that these, uh, codes, codes that have been optimized for their, their first system, which is the CS one, um, now he says we'll just uh, we'll scale to to leverage the the new system, which is the CS2, uh, without any any modification. And he says that um, that the GPU codes are also easy to port. Uh, and he, there's an example of 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 how that's done in the article. Yeah, just a single line uh, as a as a uh, call in order to go out to the Cerebrus estimator, for example. And you also highlight in your article a couple of significant wins already announced for CS2. Yeah, so some of these, I think we we um, knew about some of their existing customers, some of the system wins they've had so far. So some of the er, the early foundational ones were DOE Labs, Argonne, Livermore, then the Pittsburgh Supercomputer Center, uh, Edinburgh EPCC, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, and then we have confirmation uh, from from comments that that they put out that GlaxoSmithKline and Argonne will be will be getting the the second gen system. So we're 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 seeing this validation here. From a number of sites, and it's not just Cerebrus too. There's a there's a couple other wins uh, from other emerging AI chip companies. Uh, uh, Samba Nova and um, Havana also have um, some wins under their belt. So I think that's that's interesting to see this this momentum here. Yeah, it's definitely a busy space. We've been talking a lot about chip developments on the podcast. You've certainly had a lot of coverage in HPC Wire and its sister publications uh, under Tabor Communications. So a lot of customer wins, not only on the National Lab side, but also in commercial markets. And a part of uh, another thing they're talking about there is uh, the, the, uh, the p- performance per power, how much power they're drawing. Yeah, so they're... They have their new system to drive these uh, the new wafer scale engine two, which so the new system is the CS two, CS2, and it's um, pretty much it's pretty much the same as the original. It has internal water cooling and a 15 unit rack enclosure, 12 lanes of gigabit Ethernet. But the power envelope is a little different. The the new system has a max power draw of 23 kilowatts, so that's up from 20 kilowatts max for for the original chassis. Uh, so about a 15% jump in power, but here you're seeing these over 2x gains for for just a 15% improvement in, in power. So overall, they've um, you know they've they've made some some improvements to the power efficiency. It's certainly been a very competitive space looking at chips for AI as well as high performance computing. We've been talking about them a lot on the podcast. You can get a lot of coverage about this in HPC Wire and its sister publications. Tiffany, thanks for helping me wrap up the news, and thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.